the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Tuesday, February 16th, 2021. Hope you all had a great three-day weekend. 602 is the number. 602 um, I guess this, this, this uh, dispute now, fight, open fight between Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump, I was mentioning it in the last segment, Mitch McConnell uh, ripped Donald Trump in a speech for being responsible for the January 6th riots. Trump, of course, was acquitted. I don't know why McConnell felt he needed to give that speech unless he felt he needed to for lobbyists and interest groups and donor support. I just It, it makes no sense because it undercuts an argument that is being directed against Republicans generally. Presumably, Mitch McConnell was a Trump supporter. Presumably, he voted for Donald Trump. His wife served in Donald Trump's cabinet. Presumably, not all Trump supporters were responsible for the riot of January 6th, which is the case the Democrats have tried to make against us. Five ten-thousandths of a percent of Trump supporters were responsible for the riots. Five ten-thousandths of a percent. Four to eight hundred at most. At most. Highest figures. People writing op-eds. Thousands of people stormed the Capitol. No, they didn't. And it wasn't an insurrection. Um, in any event, so, so Mitch McConnell gives this speech. Donald Trump rips him back today, uh, which tells me two things. One, he's going to stay relevant because what Donald Trump wrote is, quote, I will back primary rivals who espouse making America great again and the policy of America first. We want brilliant, strong, thoughtful and compassionate leadership. This is a big moment for our country and we cannot let it pass by using third rate leaders to dictate our future. All of this would have been avoidable, by the way. All of this would have been avoidable. If the Democrats didn't try to impeach Trump once he was out of office in the first place, all of it would have been avoidable if Mitch McConnell just moved on. But they can't and they won't. I don't know why. I don't know why, unless they feel they have to do so for lobbyist and donor money, which was something that you could not say was a problem for Donald Trump. I saw a bumper sticker yesterday somewhere said Bernie Sanders won't be subject to billionaires' pressure. Meaning, you know, he doesn't listen to corporate lobbyists. Donald Trump wasn't either. Donald Trump wasn't either. In any event, it led me to a discussion uh, I was having with a friend of mine that I've shared with you before, and we were revisiting it today talking about what the Trump agenda is going forward. What is the MAGA agenda? What is the America First agenda? And I said, it's pretty easy to me. I don't think we need to strain this soup too thin. I don't think we need to strain this soup too thinly. 
I really don't. I really don't. You think about what you liked most about Donald Trump. Willingness to fight, to be sure. Judges, to be sure. Taxes and economy, to be sure. Taking it to the Reds, in this case China, to be sure. How is that different from the Reagan presidency? It was different in one decisive respect. Donald Trump was harder on terrorism. He was. It's a sad fact. But then again, in the 80s, we weren't quite as educated as we are today about the threat. And we didn't have a 9-11 attack. That aside, cutting regulations, this isn't hard for me. And it shouldn't be hard for anyone else. It really shouldn't. And for Republicans who don't understand as Mitch McConnell evidently doesn't. That the alligator will come for them. They're of no use to me. They're of no use to me. I have given Mitch McConnell great credit in the past when it came to his work on ushering through and fighting for judges. But there are other senators too and they are on the Judiciary Committee, and they can fight too. You don't need Mitch McConnell for this anymore. Try this experiment. If you're going to convince an open-minded person who has said to themselves or to you, you know, I, I go back and forth a little bit. I haven't really done a deep dive and study into politics. I'm not sure if I'm a Republican or a Democrat. I don't pay that much attention to it. Try this experiment. If you know Mitch McConnell's going to be on a Sunday show, is he the person you have them watch to convince them to be a Republican? Who would be the person you'd have them watch to convince you to be a Republican? Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Larry Elder, Candace Owens, who elected in the Senate, though? Who in the Senate? Holly Cotton Cruz. Am I missing anyone? Maybe, uh, maybe Rand Paul. Maybe, um, maybe uh, the senator from Wisconsin, whose name I'm blanking on. I feel badly about that. Ron Johnson. Sorry, Ron Johnson. Maybe him. If it were a governor, obviously. Someone like Christy Noam or Ron DeSantis. You don't convince someone to be a Republican by having them tune into Mitch McConnell. And the point I'm trying to make about this is this is Donald Trump's point. It's a big moment for our country, and we cannot let it pass by using third-rate leaders to dictate our future. Being this, we don't have any more time to waste here. We are, as Arthur Millick at the Claremont Institute rights engaged in a regime level struggle that will preserve or destroy the purpose that has defined it on one side stands the american way of life characterized by republican self-government and the habits of mind and character necessary to sustain it and on the other stands identity politics which demands the perpetual punishment and humiliation of so-called oppressor groups how much 
time did it take for Mitch McConnell to forget what they did to Brett Kavanaugh? They're coming after all of them, all of us. And if Mitch McConnell were nominated to the Supreme Court, they would go after him just as roughly and toughly as they went after Mitch McConnell. Brett Kavanaugh, as they went after Brett Kavanaugh. Okay. David is in Scottsdale. Hi, David. Hey, Seth. So, I, I, you know, the acquittal this uh, this weekend was a little bit different than the first acquittal because the first acquittal, President Trump was, in fact, the president under the Constitution. The, the argument and a valid argument that everyone has made on the right is that these proceedings were obviously extra constitutional or extra judicial. Uh, it technically, since uh, President Trump was a private citizen during the, the second impeachment process, my thought was, well, you know, he may, you know, maybe the Trump legal team can get together. But uh, what may be worthwhile is filing uh, a 1983-1985 action against members of Congress. Uh, for malicious prosecution. Uh, and, and I think it's justifiable. Any private citizen that has to endure uh, that malice and to go through that and to successfully come away from it, as would be required by statute, I, I think uh, it's something worthwhile to explore uh, because we haven't really had a forum. I, I know, obviously, issues like the Dominion software, you know, they're, they're now filing suits. And now we get an opportunity for discovery. Well, you know, maybe maybe this would be something worthwhile for Trump. You um, you may know more about this than I do, but here's here's um, and I like the I like the cut of the jib of the of the suggestion. But here's here's where I think the problem may lie in trying to do it, uh, David. Assuming assuming you you um, you uh, you have a thought on this. Aren't the House and Senate members protected from such a suit, given the speech and debate clause? I thought they were. I thought yeah, they the were. Speech and debate clause. The speech and debate clause would be a defense. But my thought is that is, does that mean that Congress can do this to any private citizen at any time? Well, no, that would be a, probably no, a bill of attainder. You but you're right, right. They did it. To, that's yeah. an interesting thing. I mean, this. This is a this this would make for an interesting paper because they did do it to a private citizen, but they commenced it when he was president. They call him president during the impeachment. During the trial, he's private. It's it's that's an interesting conflict of law kind of situation, isn't it? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Good thought, David. Thanks for the call. We'll be right back. There was one other element of the MAGA movement and America First movement that I wanted to add that is also consonant, synchronous with the Reagan administration, making the Republican Party a working class party again. Think of the Reagan Democrat, <clears throat> represented by voters in Maycomb or Macomb County, Detroit, depending on how you pronounce it, which Reagan won. That was like the identified classic Reagan Democrat, the Democrat in that Detroit township blue-collar worker who voted Republican for the first time with Ronald Reagan and did twice for Donald Trump as well. That's an interesting, um, that's another interesting 
an important additional point. Something tells me someone like Ron DeSantis or Josh Hawley or Christy Noem would have a lot better chance of getting that kind of voter than Mitch McConnell or someone from that cut. Dan is in Phoenix. Hi, Dan. Hey, Seth. Um, Hey, I have a theory on Mitch McConnell, and I'd really like your opinion on it. Okay. Um, I think people like Mitch McConnell, um, Barry Goldwater, and John McCain, after being in the Senate as long as they are, go from courageous conservatives to lazy liberals. And uh, it just seems like they were so wanted to get along with the other side. Well, I don't know if it's true of Goldwater, was it? There were s- you know what? I, I it, his liberalism Harry. came after he left the Senate, but more 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 by my lights. But um, but uh, I, I I'm just trying to think of senators of long distinction and service who did who were conservative and didn't lose their conservatism. There are a few that come to mind. It's a fun experiment to think about, Dan, because the rule is traditionally you would, right? Grow, quote unquote, grow an office, move liberal, <laughs> so to speak. Right? Yeah, really. Right? So Jesse Helms didn't, right? He'd be a good example to the contrary. Uh, yeah, I, John Kyle. I hear, you often, John I hear Ky- you often kind of defend Goldwater. And uh, I came to Arizona in 1980. And I just, for his last election, I just saw him as a, a lazy well, liberal. Well, he may not have been uh, at the end what he was at the beginning. Um, for that matter, I don't know, you know, if 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 it if you you know if if he was just you know maybe slowing down or or what. But but um, but it's 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 rare to find someone of long tenure in the Senate who maintains their ideological purity. And you're right to point it out. But I just named, I, I named a couple long-term senators who did. Um, yeah. Uh, but you're right. And, and, and I think you have to, um, when, when, when you say I defend Goldwater, I suppose it's fair to say I, um, I go back to what he was that made him famous. You know, you think of someone, I've always thought of history. It's an interesting question, of course. I always thought of history as judging someone um, for their best acts and not their last acts. I've always thought also that you judge someone for who they are and what they say and what they do when they are in power and seeking election and not when they are out. Let me give an example. It's a great it's a great question, intellectual question. Let me give you an example. Richard Nixon, by a lot of people's accounts, um, rehabilitated his legacy once he was out of office by, you know, writing good foreign policy books and giving advice to to presidents, you know, on foreign policy and that sort of thing. And in a way, in a way, overcame uh, some of his uh, stain of Watergate, uh, at least in certain circles. But do you judge him by that? Or do you judge him by everything up until 1974? And I think, you know, if you're going to be accurate and true to history, you have to judge people by what they did when they were in power, seeking power, seeking elected office, right? I do. I've always thought that, at least. Um, 
not to say that you can't not to say that you can't obviously make up for it over time and that you know um you can't you can't have redemption but anyway yeah i just was wondering if you you had thoughts on what if that doesn't seem the, the logical direction for people to move and uh well, there's a ver- I don't know if there's a singular example. I don't know if there's one single example of let's take a Supreme Court justice for uh, as an uh, as a thought experiment. I don't think there's a, a single example of a Supreme Court justice moving more conservative. You have some who maintained their conservatism. Scalia would be an example, perhaps Rehnquist, maybe. But I don't know anyone who grew into conservatism on the court. When they move, they move left. They move yeah. left. Um, Thomas has maintained, of course. But um, but has anyone in the Senate moved to the right? Occasionally, there have been a few converts, but they were converts by party. They moved from Democrat to Republican. Have Republicans – are there examples of Republicans moving more rightward? It's almost a second law of thermo political thermodynamics, Dan, that people tend to move left. <coughs> they tend to move left. And the reason yeah. is because the culture, the pressure of the culture is so strong. Yeah, that, that, the culture makes sense. Uh, Seth, I really appreciate your show. Thank you so much. Well, thanks. It's an interesting question. If anyone has an example to the contrary, I'd love it. Is there an example of a Republican who became more conservative? I get Republicans who maintained their conservatism. Is there an example of one who became more conservative over time? I, and it's hard to think of it. It's hard to think of that example, at least when it comes to uh, members of the Senate. Uh, I, I, it's, uh, it's interesting. It, 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 and it's because I, I, I'm convinced it is because of what Donald Trump in and of himself pointed out, which, was, which is the pull of D.C., the pull of the lobbyists and, you know, what used to be known as Gucci Gulch, K Street, the pull of interest groups, um, the pull and pressure, I should say, and their their powers of suasion and, and, and money. Um, one one way, one way to limit that is, and it may seem counterintuitive, but I've believed in this for a long time, One made a fi- one way to fix that would be to lift the limits of how much someone can contribute to a campaign. There are federal limits on how much, and, that, and, and because of that, lobbyists tend to have more power because they can, they can outspend individuals or groups of individuals. Special interest groups can outspend individuals. And so if you're a politician needing to raise money for a campaign, who are you going to spend time with? The person who can give you 2500 bucks, or the person who can give you 25000 Right. Exactly. 602-508. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602-508-0960. Rob and surprise. Hi, Rob. Oh, hi, Seth. Um, there may be a jet flying overhead, so there's some background noise. By the way, great job with Herman's Hermit. Uh, I'm into something good. Who wrote it? Got a couple on that. <laughs> Who wrote it? Who wrote it? Yes. Uh, Laura Nairo? No, the other one. 
Oh, uh, oh, Carol King. Yeah, those are always the two right answers to that question. And yes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was that was I right though? On the second, yeah. Carol okay, King. Good. Carol I, King. Yes, Carol King. That's a, you know, it's funny because I used to be a Facebook friend of Carol King's uh, before she went to uh, another Facebook. Uh, you just got a like or follower or something. Um, anyway, um, and forgive me, I'm kind of tired because I had to drive down to Ajo. Um, which you may not even know where it is. It's of course like I do. It means garlic. Well, no, this actually, uh, A-J-O isn't garlic. It's uh, Ajo. A-H-O is. It's a town on the way down to the um, uh, Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument and on the way to Rocky Point. I know what Ajo is. It means garlic. I know that, but there's a town there, and the Ajo, the way they spell it, A-J-O, is more of a Tejono Odom indian oh this uh, okay word. i know yes you know what i know where it is though i drove by it on the way to um i know what you're talking about yeah why were you yeah. there well i lived there for a few years i taught math until they didn't like the fact that i was carrying a firearm in my school bag because that was against the rules okay <laughs> so don't, I, don't I go up uh, don't go up against anyone on ajo history when they lived in ajo got it well no it, it was a copper mining town, and I think the copper mine died in 79 when people went on strike and they didn't want to, you know, uh, continue the mine. Anyway, <laughs> sorry about that. Anyway, um, the reason I was calling was um, I thought of there's a couple things. One is uh, when we think of our side versus the other side, you know, and this is one of the reasons why I always worry about Washington, D.C. politicians, both on the Republican and Democrat side. Which side is really trying to save and preserve Western civilization? And that's a big picture kind of thing. But I think that raises a lot of important points because we focus a lot on people and less on ideas. And I think the idea of saving Western civilization is crucial. It's all I care about. It's the only thing I care about. That and barbecue. Those are the only two things I care about. I I do too, Seth. And by the way, um, have you ever had Cincinnati barbecue? And and Sasquatch and and jazz and and my thermos. That's all I need in life. Oh, yeah. Well, we we are very compatible, sir. Anyway, um, I think that... But a serious point. Western civilization. Serious point. It really is all I care about in in a political and social sense, Rob, because... I agree. Right? It's the only only set of thinking and the only set of philosophy that has allowed man freedom, humans' freedom, and understanding the difference between God and man and that men cannot be gods. Exactly right. And I also wonder, and and I guess the real reason why I mentioned this was because it seems none of the Republicans currently in Congress or the Senate ever really bring that point up, and they should. Yeah. Because, you know, they are the ones that are the bulwark against uh, everything that's happening. I think there's only four of them, honestly. Honestly. I I mean, if there's five or six, great, and if people want to name them, great, but I think there's about four that get it. Yep. And you'll occasionally hear a speech about it from them, occasionally, right? Yeah. And not every speech lends itself to it. I get that, too. But but there's about four yeah. or five that get it. And, um, yeah. and to the degree that the Republican Party is going to be able to save this country is the degree to which the Republican Party goes back to its original founding, which is the American founding. 
which is uh, oh, which is which is the which crowning is all- achievement of Western civilization. Absolutely, and I don't think that those Republicans that are in office ever emphasize that very. Point they just don't think that way. You're absolutely right. They don't think yeah. in the way that um, I was quoting Arthur Millick earlier. They don't think that we are in a regime level struggle. I have to take a quick. But we are. Uh, but we are. I have to take a quick break, and um, this is such an important topic, and I have Andy Biggs coming, too. Do you want to hold just a few moments and see if we can work you back in or call back later in in the week if we don't get to you, Rob? Either way, I know you'll yield for Andy Biggs. He's someone who gets it. He talks about it. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. What a delight to... um, Start the week off with one of my favorite uh, public servants, and that's Andy Andy Biggs, chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, representing Arizona's fighting 5th Congressional District. Andy, I hope you had a good Washington's birthday weekend. I guess I did, you know. Uh, you think about some of the great presidents uh, that have led this, this incredible country and uh, how fortunate we are uh, to live in the United States of America, even today. When we see so many challenges and we're at this crossroads, that's, we're just truly fortunate to live in this country. We really are. And that's one of the reasons I still like to call it uh, Washington's birthday holiday, because, um, you know, when we just call it presidents, then it's just it's just relativism. Right. Jerry Ford that's is as right. important as Ronald Reagan is, is who's as important as, you know, Jerry James Buchanan. Jimmy Carter. Yeah, you can throw I, Jim, Right. Right. <laughs> you know, it's or, funny. Or Jerry, or Jerry Carter. I Jerry think. Carter, Jimmy Ford. <laughs> Andy, I want to yeah, I want to talk to you about schools. But before I do that for a second, I just had an interesting couple of calls with some listeners about, you know, elected representatives and senators who, quote unquote, get it. Um, what do I mean by it? What's the it? That Western civilization hangs in the balance to put no, no, no finer a point on it, that we are in a regime struggle right now, and you either get that or you don't. And I said I could probably name four U.S. senators who I think get it. I don't know if I can get to six, and maybe that's uncharitable of me. Uh, maybe you could, and I could name several members of the House, starting with uh, you, of course, Andy. How, 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 what percentage of elected Republicans in the Senate and the House get that? Get that we're in a regime struggle here and that Western civilization is in the balance, unless you think I'm overstating. No, I, I would I would say I I guess in the House uh, that a little over 25 percent. OK, really, really get that. OK, I mean, really. So, so I would I would say the members of the Freedom Caucus, by and large, get that. And then I can give you probably another five to ten people uh, outside that that really get it as well. Now, there are others that that talk about it, uh, but they don't act like it. Yeah. And so for me for me to say you really get it, you not only are talking about it, you're taking action right. and you're trying to find right. some way to, to stop it. Will I get you in trouble if so. I give you my Senate list? Would you rather I didn't? I'll give you my Senate list. No, I, I, uh, yeah, because I, I, I want to yeah, know if I'm forgetting someone. It's my point. I think yeah. I think Tom Cotton, I think Ted Cruz, I think Rand Paul, I think Ron Johnson. Who am I missing? Mike Lee. Mike Lee. Okay, good. Uh, I would give Mike Lee. Um, 
I, you know, uh, I would say that, uh, um, uh, uh, gosh, who's the guy? Not It's not Cass because he doesn't get it, but the uh, other Louisiana. Kennedy. Senator, Kennedy. I think he probably. I do, too. I, should, I think I think I, you're right to add him. I think you're right to add John Kennedy. Yeah. I think you're and, right. And in my, in my, that's uh, funny. Forgetting John Kennedy's name is funny. Yeah, it reminds me of the guy who goes into the drugstore, Andy, and says to the pharmacist, "Can you tell me where the acetylsalicylic acid is?" And the pharmacist says, "You mean aspirin?" The guy goes, "Yeah, aspirin. I forgot what you called it." <laughs> well, that's it. That's, <laughs> that's it. it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah John, John Kennedy. That's John it. Kennedy. Uh, no, I'll give you one more. That uh, I'll give you. Perhaps two more. Okay. Perhaps two more. And I would say that they're on the cusp. And, and I would Josh, Josh Hawley. Hawley. Josh Hawley, I should add. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I would add, I, I want to add anyway, is Rick Scott. I think he's close. I think Rick's close. I think Tim Scott's close. Yeah, I do I too. I mean, they're, 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 on the, they're on the edge. Yep. I think they really... I agree with that. They understand, yeah. I agree that, with it. That there's something... And, and I think there's others that feel and understand that something's happening... Um, but it's so easy for so many of them to just get locked in that DC bubble. I was just thinking about that today. I was thinking about it in the context of McConnell's speech, you know, what was the point of that? Uh, There was no point in that unless he's trying to appease, you know, the donor and lobbyist class or something, I guess. Well, I mean, even Lindsey Graham said, and and you know... That you've got a left-wing problem when, when even Lindsey Graham is... You know, I was going to say Lindsey Graham 50% of the time. Half the time, Lindsey Graham. <laughs> no, see, and, and I, don't, I don't think... See, Lindsey knows that there's something going on, but Lindsey, uh, like, like he's a total amnesty dude. Mm-hmm. He, he just is a total open borders right, guy. Right. And if, I believe that if you don't understand that open borders is going to um, uh, really pushes perhaps over the edge, whether it's economically uh, or or any other way that might happen. I just don't think that you really get it yeah. because it is, the border is so serious. I think you're right. It goes to sovereignty too, doesn't it, Andy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You got sovereignty issues. You've yeah. got uh, look, look. We're, we're you did such a good job, people. by the way, for the audience that doesn't know. Andy takes. Congressional delegations regularly. I was privileged to be on one to, 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 to see the border. So you've done a good job on educating our fellow representatives, your fellow representatives on that and oh, citizens. Thank so thank yeah. you for doing that. Yeah, no, I mean, they need to see it. Uh, it, it comes alive for them. I mean, I've, I've had one guy that's come on three trips with me because he says, he says, you just can't understand it till you get down here. Yeah, I didn't. So I they, didn't. I thought yeah. I understood it until you showed it to me. Yeah, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. So, so, but I mean, economically, it'll have ramifications on on us. Um, look, we we allow two million people into the country legally every year. Mm-hmm. We want people to assimilate. People say, "Oh, you, you're xenophobic if you want people to assimilate." No, no, we want people to assimilate because we believe in certain principles in this country about about we believe in individual freedom. We believe in free markets. We believe uh, we believe that the less government, the better. We believe in individual accountability. We believe. We believe that we have not only a heritage that we have to live up to, but we have a future and destiny that we have to live up to, to be that light, that beacon on the hill of freedom for the rest of the world. And, and, and that requires assimilation and acceptance if we don't have of assimilation, the American values. If we don't have assimilation, we will not have a country that people want to keep coming to. Right. To preserve exactly. the magnet, you have to. 
preserve the magnet? Why is it they want to come here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we can turn right. it into Venezuela and then we can have an exodus problem, I suppose. Or we can keep well, the was, American uh, way of life and keep drawing immigrants, which is a good thing. Well, and, and, and we use the term magnet or incentive, incentives. We all respond to incentives. Sure. But, but for people on the right who believe this country it was great, is great, can be great, um, we, for us, that is the magnet for people wanting to come. And they, yeah. and they want to come. But for the, for the other side, they do things, and they and they have a different reason. But they're going to provide incentives like you can come in here illegally. Yep. We're going to grant you amnesty. Yep. Yep. We're going. To, we're not going to vet you're you. Right. By the way, we're not going to even test you for COVID. You're right. For sakes, but but if you're going to take a flight to Florida, we're going to put you. You got to get a COVID test. You're right. That's the that's the kind of craziness we've got. We didn't even get to schools, Andy. We got into philosophy. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Well, maybe sorry. you'll just have to come back again later this week. I'll have to do it, uh, Will you do I'll it? Do I'll it. talk to Daniel. Andy Biggs, God right. love you. We love Thanks. you. Godspeed. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, Bye-bye. have a good one. Portions of this show are brought to you by Balance of Nature. I take it every single day. Ten servings of fruits and vegetables in one daily dose. They take all natural vine-ripened fruits and vegetables, picked at their peak of ripeness, tested for all kinds of impurities. No sugars, no chemicals, no GMOs. They reduce those fruits and veggies into vegetarian capsules using their unique cold press process. And it is potent. I don't know anyone who has taken it and didn't like it. It has kept me well for over a year, and I take it every single day. They have a great special right now, free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Um, Bill, how observant are you about things, goings on around here? I just, I, 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 you know, they've disabled the water fountains because of the C word. But underneath, I just noticed there's a um, mechanical sensor. Have you seen that? A new kind of, why would you need a sensor under the water fountain? It's like if you're walking too fast, is it a speed sensor? Is this Big Brother? Is this, what is this? Is it a security thing? Is it for lights? Can you find out for me? Maybe um, maybe this is a way to reduce people using the water fountain, knowing that they're going to be watched. Do people get embarrassed drinking? The Hallmans are going to join us. Uh, we have a couple interesting things to do with them in a few moments. Uh, of course, we'll do our traditional and typical uh, COVID update. But we're also going to examine an <coughs> interesting philosophical and political question that uh, goes to what Generation Z is thinking about that Lewis wanted to talk about. And it goes to that call earlier in the show as well about things moving left, things moving left over time. You don't want to miss it. Um, So stay tuned and feel free to give us a call too. Love to take your call. 602-508-0960. Boy, yeah, education, schools. I was going to talk schools with Andy. 
This is amazing what the unions are doing. The San Francisco School Board has one job, and that's to maintain and manage schools so that kids can learn so that we don't lose a generation, as every school board does. They had a meeting. Yes, they had a meeting to open schools. Guess what they talked about? Not opening schools. They talked about renaming 44 schools. Again, again, they've taken the names down. So they had to have a meeting about what we'll name them. You know what? Do what New York does. PS1, PS2, PS3, or reverse your last vote and give us Washington and Lincoln back.